0: In the dark, the podcast where we tell stories of all things murderous, paranormal, and terrifying that go on in the dark. My name is Tori.
1: My name is Taylor Shea, or also I go by Tay. And welcome to the fourth
0: episode. Fourth episode. episode. We have one recorded that we haven't uh, put out yet, so I thought this was a third one, but I'm also I also (laughs) woke up about thirty minutes ago, so
1: it's fine. So we're technically in the time machine. So for all those who would be listening after this all happens we are then jumping ahead and being like, oh, yeah, an episode that has not been posted yet, but is going to be posted.
0: Okay. It's too early for that (laughs) shit. (laughs) I
1: I have not taken
0: my medicine yet. (laughs) Oh, no. Love it, love it, love it. Um, But so I think this is is your case today. Yes. Um, Which uh, I have a
1: very wild case to tell you. Mm -hmm. This one is definitely, like, far less gruesome. Obviously, they're all horrific and gruesome mm-hmm. in their own degree but this one is definitely not to the same rate as like the sylvia likens case this is not going to be as emotional and like pulling at your heart like the bucks county yeah. case. this is just going to be a day of what what the hell just happened just, what
0: the fuck hello yeah,
1: just yeah just what the heck like what do you mean woman mm. how did any of this occur i can't wait. Huh?
0: Yeah, I can't wait. I feel Still like he, I, excited. I, I feel like you have talked about this case before to mm-hmm. me, but I don't remember anything and <coughs> excuse me, you have um like you, you tend to pick cases that I I recognize the name but I don't <laughs> remember anything about it. So, which is good, because I don't want to, like, know everything, so I'm excited to hear what it's about. That
1: is my goal with this one, as well as, like, so, like I had said uh, in our last episode that will be released, Mm -hmm. um, that if you guys wanted to watch the show Candy before you sit down and watch this episode, I do highly recommend, because it is not only just, like, such a great show, but Mm -hmm. that is the case that we are covering today, is the Candy Montgomery um, Betty Gore case. Mm -hmm. So, that's what we're going to cover in just a little bit, but also, just, like... Wanting to catch up, say hello to all mm-hmm. of you guys. Hope you're all doing well, having yes. a good time, yes. lo- watching all fun things. Recently, I just started watching The Staircase on mm-hmm. HBO. I'm Honestly, I'll be honest with you, I only started watching this show because Karen and Georgia were talking about it on My Favorite Murder, mm-hmm. and Georgia, who was watching it, had said that there is an ass-eating scene between Colin Firth oh and Tony Collette, and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Why not sit down and watch these award-winning actresses, have or actors, having a full-on ass-eating scene well and it's like, funny because i am going
0: to set the scene i come home from work from i worked three 11-hour shifts this week <laughs> so i come home from work and tay is just laying on the couch watching something and i was like oh so what are you watching and she's like oh i'm watching about the stair like the staircase thing on h or where hbo wherever it is um i'm watching because they're gonna eat each other's ass so it was like <laughs> yeah mind you it's like 11 30 at night almost midnight and i'm like What the fuck? What what do you mean? Yeah,
1: like, what did you just say to me? I just walked through the door.
0: Not even a minute after I walked in the door, that's what I hear. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, also, speaking of when I walked in the door, the other (laughs) night, I came home. I thought she was asleep. Sorry for all the tangents and, like, the hella long intros. I thought she was asleep, so I'm doing my thing, putting my dirty dishes in the sink, and all of a sudden, I hear a, hello? And I was like, this is it. I'm going to fucking die, because Tay will eventually talk about it. There is a demon around her yeah. that mimics her voice. And so, like, the room, the, the roommate a couple previous to me mm-hmm. had had, had yes. that experience. So I was like, oh, my God, it's in the house. No matter how much incense I burn, I fucking failed because I didn't protect this yes. fucking house. Turns out we just had a loud AC unit, and I was just really freaked out because it was yes. late at night. And she walked gonna- out
1: fully hear me, but I was awake, I was talking to you, so that's good. Good. Luckily, it has not happened in this apartment. Definitely, like, towards Halloween time, I'm gonna sit down and tell you guys all of my ghosty experiences, because I grew up in a haunted house, so I have so many ghost stories, because I've just been living in just ghost central Mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. But- wanted to give a quick shout out to my friend bigfoot who literally like one living with me had to deal with this all the time of something mimicking my voice and like talking to him or saying things in our apartment when i was not there or in totally different rooms mm-hmm. like it would just mess with him all the time like he it's so funny after i moved out i left a futon at the apartment because i wasn't going to mm-hmm. take it with me it wasn't that good a futon i I kind of asked him, well, like, you could do whatever you want with it if you want to keep it. Mm. Sure, if you want to throw it out, I don't care. So what he ended up doing with this futon, because he was, like, he keeps referring to it as the haunted futon, he just threw it in what used to be my room in the apartment. So now all there is is just this futon on the ground, not even set up, just on the ground oh in this God. empty bedroom. And every time he, like, shows people around the apartment and they're like, oh, what's behind that door? He just shows them that and they're like, it just feels haunted in there. So whatever... I think, like, we joke all the time that my demon decided to stay attached to the futon, couldn't find where I moved, and just, it lives in that room. And you this. know what?
0: I'm completely fine with that because
1: I have started
0: a, I want to say a process, a, um, not ritual, a habit, you can one can say, of burning incense every night before I go to bed. <laughs> and we joke that nothing can come to our house because yep. of the sheer amount of incense I burn. Yep. I burn at least two sticks of incense today. Literally, as we're podcasting, I've incense burning behind me. Which is
1: perfect, because we also live right across from a graveyard. Yes. Which is super spooky, but a lot of fun. Like, that was the first thing I noticed when I moved Mm -hmm. into this place. And, like, my... Both our bedrooms actually, like, Mm -hmm. look outward towards the graveyard. So then we would just joke all the time. Because when we first moved in, or when I first moved in here before you had lived here, and when it was the other roommates that were living here pigeon would go and sit in my window and chirp at the graveyard and i used to like all the time joke that it was like oh my god my cat sees ghosts
0: that's fucked and i he swear doesn't to god anymore,
1: though. Uh, if powder
0: well if he was a baby yeah like babe like kids have better sense to yep. spirits than adults mm-hmm. do if powder ever does that we're done i'm bye
1: you do not buy podcast over I can, i'm leaving
0: <laughs> i can live in my car i'm fine with it it's fine i don't no no No. but it's funny because <laughs> i thought i was gonna be freaked out by that but i had also grown up by a cemetery in um where i'm from in new jersey and it was like two blocks down from me and it was a cemetery that the further you went down on the hill the older the graves were and there was oh. like an in-ground mm-hmm. mausoleum that we always used to joke was really haunted because um, it was it was from like the fucking 1800s, mm-hmm. and so that never bothered me. But then moving here, I was like, oh, maybe it's gonna bother me. But honestly, like, it's kind of fucking dope. Like, it's yeah. a, it's interesting to like it's look really around, nice. and it feels weirdly like calming almost. Yeah. It's like they're where they need to be. I'm where I need to be. As long yes. as we respect each other, that's all that matters. Oh yeah,
1: like the energy here doesn't feel all that creepy. Mm-hmm. Which like there's definitely been places that I've lived or been to that, like, were next to grave sites Mm -hmm. or things like that that did not feel safe or comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I think, luckily for us, like, everybody here is pretty peaceful, including the dead. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, well, thankfully, now. Yes,
1: thankfully, other than, like, because our old neighbors that used to live uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in the apartment right next to us, um, they had told us, the mother had told me about how her teenage daughter did say that she had had... Multiple ghostly experiences Mm -hmm. in that apartment, including what they referred to as the tall man. That her room was basically what is like adjacent to this room that we record our podcast in, was her room on Mm -hmm. that side. And she had had, she was like hanging out with like her boyfriend at the time. And they had said something about like, oh, if you're like, they felt an energy and they're like, oh, if you're here, show us. And it slammed her bedroom door, which Also, like that was before that apartment was redone, so it was carpeted just like ours. So, to slam a door over a carpet is really difficult, especially
0: if it's anything like the door that leads to this room. Like, when we try to close this door, it's even if you like all your force take and try to swing it shut, it stops halfway because the carpet's like plush carpet.
1: Yep, and because these doors are so heavily painted in this old, old apartment, they're old, like original wooden doors. Yeah, so they're They're really, really hard to slam. And she had said that she had woken up one night to seeing a tall, like, tall man, like, completely blacked out, like, shadow man in her room.
0: Um, I gotta go. Um, my... I'm uh, moving. My, I'm moving. Um, my lift is here, and it's been here, so I gotta, I got a jet. So I gotta go. I gotta go. I can't. Go. I, mm, no, thank you. I'm good. I'm gonna burn so much more incense now, because fuck the tall man. But not actually, don't come haunt me, because that's really fucking scary, and <laughs> if I see...
1: luckily like i have never had any experiences like i guess that was years ago but i think that could have been like teenage antics that kind of contributed to that but like no i literally had a whole conversation with her that i'm like the whole time that i've lived here i'm like i've only had one ghosty experience and i'm like i don't really feel anything Mm, here yeah i don't either that's awesome i think like they might have done a lot of stuff as well after that happened to try to like keep stuff true like that from happening yeah because they're quite like cute witchy people, too.
0: Yeah, I got But, gotcha.
1: um, yeah, no, like, I've never really, other than one time, I had never experienced mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, same, here, I mean,
0: I've been here since October, and now it's June, so it's, what, that's seven mm-hmm. months, and I haven't yeah. felt anything either, so. Thankfully. Yeah, I've
1: lived here, this is a year and a half now.
0: Yeah, sorry, yeah there's so there's a bug that just, like, is coming near me we're good anyway <laughs> sorry yeah. Ooh, I, okay we're good yeah that was really gross
1: <laughs> oh my god in my office both me and my co-worker found spiders the other day like crawling on our stuff like those all of a sudden all i heard was her just like screaming and i look over and there is a spider like crawling across her desk and she's trying so hard to kill it like i had to kill one so we're just sitting there like screaming in our office just like the spiders were done. We're out. Like we're and, going home. And I
0: would like to put put this out there that between the two roommates, I'm the one who kills the spiders. Yeah, like, I do I, not. I, I, I kill the bugs. I'm terrified. Yeah. So, mm-hmm.
1: proud of you. Good job. Thank you.
0: I and tried. Considering we're at 11 minutes,
1: <coughs> so yeah, Subbie. we'll just get started. <laughs> so, like I said, we're going to be covering the case of Candy Montgomery and the murder of Betty Gore. So, because I'm a little shithead, I named this episode "Candy Montgomery How to Max." so hello yeah so friday friday the 13th june 1980 the original friday the 13th movie premieres in the parker household the phone is ringing in the house all you can hear is the sound of a rotary phone going off richard parker answers the phone and it's his neighbor alan gore alan apologizes for calling so late and for disturbing him but asks if he can do him a huge favor He asks if Richard can go over to Alan's house and check on his wife. Alan is out of town for a work trip and has been unable to get a hold of Betty all day. Richard hesitates, but eventually does go over to the house. With much insisting, Richard does go over to do what Alan is asking and attempts to enter the home. While there, two other neighbors join in the effort due to Alan's concerned calls. The three men attempt to find a way into the home. They find the garage door unlocked. One that is normally always locked whenever Betty was home, but when Parker attempts to use his realtor keys to open the utility room door, none of the keys that he has are able to unlock it. Lester and Jerry go around the house and try to open the sliding glass back door, but it won't budge. After that, the two men attempt to see if the dining room windows would be forced open as Parker attempts to use uh, the front door, or to open the front door with his key set. When Parker puts the key into the hole and tries to turn the knob, the door pushes open without him ever turning the key. Parker alerts Jerry and Lester that the front door was unlocked. As the three men peek their heads in and call out to Betty, they receive no answer. Growing more and more fearful, the three men finally do enter the home and begin to search the house room by room. When they enter, each door of the house is closed, and as they open each door but one by one, the anxiety begins to mount. In some of the rooms, they find nothing off at all, but when they enter the bathroom, they find blood on the bathroom floor mat. And when Richard opens one door, he finds Bethany Gore, the Gore's baby, in her crib crying and wet. The baby's voice has gone hoarse by, from crying, and by the amount of soiling, it was clear for, to Parker that the baby had been left there for hours. Oh my gosh. The men being wise realized that this is something that Betty would never willingly do and begin to further search the house. Betty, who is described at times as a bit of a reserved woman in the Wiley, Texas community, was a former school teacher that was always known to be an extremely attentive mother. Betty had moved to the area with her husband, Alan, a few years earlier due to his job in engineering. The two had met when she was in college studying to become a grade school teacher, and Alan had been a teaching assistant in her math class. The two fell in love quickly and shortly after their their marriage moved into the Dallas suburb. Alan was away in Minnesota for the weekend on a business trip, was usually always in frequent contact when he was away, Betty did not like to be alone and would call frequently especially er, call frequently when he was not home, as Betty had been known at times to struggle with depression, and most especially postpartum depression. Mm. So it worried Alan, when he had called the house, when he had landed and had entered the Minnesota office space, that Betty was not answering the phone. Alan had made multiple attempts throughout the day to try to call his wife, but never received an answer. The men having found Bethany and still not being able to locate Betty have searched nearly every room by the time Lester goes to open the door off of the kitchen leading to the small utility room. As he, opened, he cautiously opens the door, he looks down to the floor and sees an absolute bloodbath. On the ground is Betty's massacred body and blood covering nearly every surface within the room. Suddenly, the phone rings startling both men. Jerry answers the phone and it's Alan couldn't handle waiting any longer without word from them jerry softly tells alan that bethany is fine and has been taken to parker's home when alan asks what about betty jerry tells him softly that they have found her but he believes that she has been shot
0: oh my god
1: at first he believes that she must have been shot by the blood that they found and that in the quick seconds that he looked into the utility room it looked like her head was blown off but when police they quickly discovered that no, she had not been shot, but instead had been bludgeoned repeatedly with an ax. Ah. Police were at first dumbfounded as to why they could have, or why this could have happened to Betty Gore. They knew that at just the amount of brutality that they were seeing here, that this was some extreme anger going on here. In the room, nearly every surface other than a white nursery book was, was completely saturated with blood. On the linoleum floor, there was a single footprint on the ground, an outline of which was smaller than any of the feet of the officers present. There was a partial handprint left behind on the fridge where it looked like someone had attempted to wipe down the blood. On the the left side (coughs) of Betty was a pool of blood so thick that you could not see the floor beneath it. Also alerting law enforcement to this being a crime not done by a stranger. Betty's face was so beaten with the axe that her right eye appeared to be gone. Oh my god. The police continued to search the, ho- the house and found the blood on the bath mat in the bathroom and in the shower drain they found dried blood and hair. The killer had cleaned up here in the house. Mm-hmm. And chillingly, on the kitchen table, the newspaper was left out in the movie showing section. And the n- picture er, and next to the picture of The Shining, a movie which included a scene with an axe-wielding maniac. Was a single drop of blood.
0: Ooh, that's that's creepy as fuck. That's super creepy. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> During this awful night of not being able to get a hold of Betty, before neighbors had discovered her, Alan had called the Montgomery household, the family that Alyssa, the Gore's oldest daughter, had been staying the weekend with multiple times. The first time that he had called that night, before he had convinced Richard and Jerry to enter the home, he asked Candy Montgomery, the mother of this family, if she had seen Betty that day. Candy had said she had earlier that morning. When she was there, she had been doing some sewing. Candy had gone to the house to pick up Alyssa's bathing suit for her swim lesson. Alan asked if she had noticed anything off with Betty when she was there, and Candy was quick to say that she hadn't, but Betty... But she said that Betty had chatter and her had chatted for a while, but she had gotten the impression that Betty from Betty earlier that she had wanted to rush Candy out the door. After which, she decided to go to Target to attempt to buy Father's Day cards. But when she got to the store, she found her watch had stopped and she was late and didn't even go into the store, but instead turned around to go back to the church to pick up the children from the puppet show. Alan had explained that he had been having trouble getting a hold of Betty and had been trying to see if anyone could help him get a hold of her. Candy had offered to drive over to the house to check for him, but Alan had told her not to trouble her herself, that he was going to have neighbors go over to the house. After 11, when Alan called the, Mo- the Montgomery house for the third time that night, Pat, Candy's husband, was quite annoyed to have Alan be calling the house so late at night, especially since he and his wife were having sex at the time that when this call had come- came in candy had quickly interrupted them and answered the phone right away it was alan in a quiet distraught voice informing alan or informing candy that the police were at the home betty had been found dead his neighbor had said that she had been shot alan and candy uh, he asked candy to keep Alyssa until he was able to come pick her up himself and inform her about the news of her, Mm -hmm. her mother
0: oh jesus
1: Candy had agreed and hung up the phone. After a sleepless night, Candy got up for the day and began to care for the children. Her morning was regularly interrupted by calls from friends and neighbors over and over again asking if she had heard the news about Betty Gore. One neighbor told her not to turn on the news or the radio today as Alyssa's mother's murder was all over the news. Another called and asked, uh, called, and when she asked if Candy knew the news, Candy had said she heard about Betty being shot. The friend told her that that wasn't true. Betty had been axed to death. Over and over again, Jesus. folks kept calling Candy about this horrible news. Over On another phone call, one friend told Candy that they had found a, fi- a footprint at the crime scene. After hearing this, Candy took her flip-flops and began cutting them into rubber shreds, ripping them up, and threw them in the trash.
0: Ooh, that's suspect. Mm-mm. No bitch.
1: Sus. <laughs> <clears throat> when Alan had finally landed in Texas and met police at the crime scene that had once been his home, police were finally able to truly question Alan about his whereabouts during the day Betty was murdered. The police did, of course, think that Alan could have been the one who had done this. It was clear that whoever had had clearly known her given all of the brutality that she had suffered, it was obvious that there was a lot of rage behind how whoever could have brought down the axe on her. They thought that it was possible that he had killed her before leaving for his work trip, and that even had their doubts on if it was possible with such a short amount of time to get that done. The police asked Alan to provide them with tickets, receipts, or any bank statements that, had co- that he had that could confirm that he had been in St. Paul the day before. Alan agreed and would get them to the police as quickly as possible. One of the officers investigating asked Alan if there was any person that would have any reason why they would want to hurt his wife and Alan couldn't think of a single person who would, but the nature of the situation the police politely asked if there were any problems within the marriage or if either of them had had an affair. Alan disclosed that years before Betty had had a one night stand and it had taken a toll on their marriage when it had happened, but they had gotten through it and actually they were doing great as of late ever since they had gone on a marriage encounter weekend through their church. These weekends were a type of couples counseling Mm. type retreat uh, and getaway that had made them even closer than they had ever been. Oh, I love that. Police were skeptical but left it at that and set out to find anyone that could pinpoint the last time they saw Betty other than Alan. The police began to question all the neighbors and asked if they had seen Betty at any point that day. Nearly all of them hadn't until one of the neighbor girls said that she had seen Mrs. Gore that day answer the door uh, to a woman at the at a time later that morning when they had asked the little girl if she could recognize the woman visitor again she said she could as it was one of her friend uh one of the mothers of one of her friends it was mrs montgomery oh no they also asked alan as well about any friends or neighbors that had interacted with betty that day and said that candy had told him that she had seen her the morning that candy uh uh, that morning and candy had talked with betty the morning of the murder they, of course, called Candy, and she herself confirmed that she had gone to the home the morning of the murder to, relieve her, to retrieve Alyssa's bathing suit, as Alyssa was going to stay another night with them and needed it for her swim lesson that day. Police called the night after the murder and asked Candy to come to the station the next day uh, so that they could ask her some verifying questions. Candy agreed and said that she would come in the next day before candy came ever came to the station one of the officers received a call from Allen, letting him know that his bank statements or uh, that he had his bank statements and he would be turning them over to law enforcement but while on the phone Allen disclosed that he had not been fully truthful when the police initially asked him about the fidelity of his marriage and informed police that he had had had, had in fact had an affair a year before police of course pressed to know who he had been having an affair with Uh, But he did not, he at first did not want to tell them because he did not want her to become involved with the investigation. But with further pressing, he confessed to police that he had had an affair and who that had been with was Candy Monk.
0: Oh, I knew it. Oh, I knew it. This bitch. (laughs) This bitch.
1: Creepy lady this whole time. The officer asked how long this affair had lasted and the state of how it had ended. The affair had lasted for a few months at the end of 1978 into the summer of 1979. Allen went on to say that the affair was initiated by Candy one night after a church volleyball match, where Candy proposed the idea to him. At first he was hesitant, but after a lot of planning on Candy's part, they did end up having an affair. Uh, for a few months and ended it after alan and betty's marriage had improved after going uh, to a church marriage encounter retreat and the two of them becoming much closer in their marriage he states that candy did not want the affair to end at the time when it had but they had said that the split that candy had said that she didn't know or that at the time that they had split up candy had said that she didn't know how she was going to live without him but they did split amicably and as there seemed to be no tension between them or animosity that he saw on Candy's part towards Betty. He even stated that Candy had thrown Betty's baby shower during the time that, uh, during that time and thought that Candy held no ill will towards Betty because of this. The affair uh, was described as planned, and that was no joke. Before Candy and Alan ever actually physically consummated this affair, The two of them had met up and went through a pros and cons list for the reasons why they should and why they shouldn't. Oh my
0: goodness.
1: Although the wise not list had very (laughs) hefty things on it, like getting caught or hurting their spouses, they thought the wise list of curiosity and needing to know outweighed that in their minds. With deciding on doing this, they sat down and made a list of rules that they had to follow to participate. Oh my god if either of them wanted to end the affair it would end no questions asked if either of them became too emotionally involved it ended if they had stayed if they started to be too risky it ended all expenses for motels or other expenses would be split equally between them both they would meet on weekdays when their spouses were at work candy would be in charge of making lunch and cleaning up the rooms afterwards to make sure that they could use alan's entire lunch break For just the two of them. Candy would be in charge of finding the motels that they would use. They would only meet on Tuesdays or Thursdays once every two weeks because Candy's son was at preschool during these times and said that she would need the other three days during those two weeks that he was at school to run errands for church events. This affair went on for months between the two of them with Candy booking them motel rooms near his work and bringing lunch for the two of them every couple of weeks. Both agreed that the affair was not just sex between the two of them, but that they regularly confided in each other about, uh, in the other, about their stressor, stressors, problems in their marriages, and provided each other with advice or comfort uh, for some of these situations. Both of them would give each other little greeting cards, and Candy would often surprise him by leaving little surprises on his car to show how much she cared alan would look to candy for solace with the pitfalls of his marriage and candy would look to alan to for him to show interest in the things she cared about that her husband didn't over the time over time alan would say that the affair had quickly became a friendship and that th- the two of them had become as close as best friends after this disclosure and the young witness come stating confirming that candy was the last person that others could confirm seeing betty uh, with before she had died were starting to circle in on Candy as being a potential suspect. So when they brought Candy in for questioning, she again tried to repeat the story of her having gone to pick up the bathing suit earlier than agreed upon, talking for a bit, then going to Target, but her watch stopped and it it was later than what she had thought it was, so she never went into the store and went back to the church to get the kids. They, of course, attempted to probe her about the affair, but Candy wouldn't budge. While there at the police station, they also noted that of Candy's fingernails were broken. So hold and on. Some of her knuckles <laughs> seem to be so, split.
0: I want to talk about this affair for a second because mm-hmm. I was just I was quiet through the majority of it because mm-hmm. it's like you're telling a story which I love, <laughs> but also like, okay, so they both go to church.
1: Yes.
0: They're churchly people.
1: Yep.
0: Holier than thou. Yes. I'm assuming because mm-hmm. with a name like Candy, you are holier than mm-hmm. thou. Apparently.
1: These are Texas <clears throat> church-going folks.
0: Oh, this is happening in Texas. Texas. Oh, okay. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So, they're in Texas, they go to church, they meet, and they literally sit down and make, like, a how to have an affair 101, essentially. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, hello? Yeah. Like, that is... and Because here's the thing, when I think of affairs, mm-hmm. excuse me, I think of, like, oh, like, a spur of the moment, like, we just hung out, and then yeah. all of a sudden, like, oh, they fucked. Like, no, they no, sat down and were, like, calculating. They planned
1: this. Well, especially on Candy's part, because Candy's friends, who she had talked to months mm-hmm. before she ever even approached Alan, had, she had told her friends that she wanted excitement and that her marriage was boring and that she was considering having an affair. Because of this, she had these thoughts, and it was one night at a volleyball match that she looked at Alan and thought, oh, I think I have, I'm have. i attracted to Alan which is why she approached at, when, you, when and you, asked him. When
0: you said at a church volleyball match, I was yeah. like, are you fucking kidding yep. me? I was like,
1: excuse me? Yes, these people, like, not only are they Texans, so church in general, but they are so heavily involved with this church that they do, they have a church volleyball league that all of these adults participate in oh my all God. the time. That Alan participated in and was, I think, if I remember correctly, was one of the like team captains or something. Betty never participated in the church volleyball team. Mm. Candy participated in the church volleyball team. Her husband, Pat, did not.
0: Oh, so like, okay, like, Mm -hmm. so my husband's a piece of shit. He doesn't play volleyball Mm -hmm. with me. My wife's a piece of shit. She doesn't play volleyball with me. Guess what? I'm going to sit down with both of their best friends and try to fuck. Like, hello? I
1: still find it so odd to be like, oh, yeah, I don't think, like, Candy had any problems with my wife anymore because she threw her our baby shower. After we had already had an affair, if I found out later that I had- my friend threw me a baby shower after she had already been having an affair with my husband- I'd split my shit. I would absolutely burn this woman's house down. I Um, would be-
0: I would be the subject of a true crime podcast. Yeah,
1: like, usually I very much am the person that says, no, blame the partner because they're the one who had obligations to you. The other person did not. Yeah. But if you're trying to say you're my friend and you throw me a baby shower- Mm -mm. No, I'm going out swinging with you too. <laughs> like, absolutely, all not. bets
0: are fucking off. Yep.
1: I'm bam, bam, bam.
0: No. Fuck you, bitch.
1: Everybody's getting fucking twat swatted today. Well <laughs> no. absolutely not. Oh, but, I love that. So, however, the cracks were showing, and they knew of the affair. But Candy wanted to continue with her charade of ha- of nothing having happened, and wanted to help the police in any way that she could. So, when asked, she did allow them to take pars- partial fingerprint or take her fingerprints. When the police compared those partial fingerprints left behind in blood on the fridge, it was a clear match. Mm-hmm. They also had taken pictures of her hands that day and had found t- them to be quite scratched up with a few of her fingernails broken. They were also able to match the footprint in blood at the crime scene to flip-flops similar to the ones Candy had always was always noted to wear during the summertime and were her exact size. With all of the physical evidence beginning to, ma- beginning to circle in on Candy, the police department got an arrest warrant to arrest Candy for murdering Betty Gore. Candy needed to get herself an attorney to represent her for trial and decided to hire another member of their church, Don Crowder, as her her defense attorney. Crowder, who was a personal injury attorney, Mm -hmm. when taking the case on, uh, hearing Candy's version of events, decided that he wanted a psychiatrist to evaluate Candy suggested she see a psychiatrist and clinical hypnotist Dr. Fred Faison. Faison normally didn't do court work as he openly would state that he did not like it and found it to be poor advertising for his services.
0: Oh police oh I mm-hmm. this guy they sound like a bunch of fuckers like
1: a hypnotist
0: a hypnotist. So, she's trying to be, oh, I was crazy, I, I was, I, ooh, I'm gonna make a prediction real quick, and it's (laughs) probably not right, but what if she played this, like, bullshit-battered woman bullshit? Oh,
1: that'd be very interesting. I
0: know, and my reaction, I know she didn't do that, (laughs) but... but I've heard that before where people or women who are in affairs will be like oh he made me be in the affair Mm -hmm. like this that and the other like some bullshit and be like or who's a better woman or they
1: blame saying like oh I was being abused by my husband Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to snap but when I snapped it was after all these years of abuse no whatever but we're eventually going to cover the um, satanic panic or Mm -hmm. hypnotism phase of the 1980s this was the 1980s so this is why this hypnotism thing goes hand in hand i will wait until that episode mostly to tell all of my thoughts that Mm -hmm. i have about hypnotism Mm -hmm. but yes so he her attorney is recommending she go to a therapist and clinical hypnotist however when crowder told Faison about the case the doctor was intrigued and agreed to evaluate candy crowder flew candy down to houston For Dr. Faison to run some tests on Candy, after that first appointment, he was hooked on this case and asked that they arranged another meeting so that he could do a hypnosis session with Candy. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, Candy returned to his office, seemingly vacant and distant. And in the hours that passed while she was in with the doctor, Crowder's office assistant began to hear nightmarish groans and shrieks coming from the office. in this appointment under hypnosis the doctor discovered a repressed memory of Candy when she was about four having gotten mad at losing a race deciding to break a jar and cut her hand and made it so her mother had to take her to the hospital when at the hospital mad, hurting, and scared she wanted to kick and scream but in pain her mother had shushed her Mm -hmm. leading up to the trial the town of Wiley did not know how to feel and many believed that it could not be possible for Candy to have done this Neighbors and friends from all over were sending greeting cards and messages of support for Candy to her home daily after her initial arrest. Hmm. Candy was extremely popular in this town, exponentially more well-liked than Betty had been been there, and many just couldn't believe that their bright and sunny friend, Candy, could have killed anybody. Was
0: there a reason that they liked Candy more than Betty?
1: Betty, unfortunately, (coughs) was very reclusive because of her depression and her Mm. postpartum depression. Oh,
0: that sucks.
1: Candy had always been extremely outgoing. Okay. And Candy had come from a military family who Um, moved around a lot. So she had always been very sociable. So unfortunately It played into it. Yep, Candy was very popular and Betty unfortunately had not been. Lovely. As trial opened, Candy entered a plea of not guilty due to the use of self defense.
0: On the oh, stand,
1: no. Candy was described by all as emotionalists when testifying, and at first would only give short answers. Although she had weeks of prepping, and any good attorney would have told her it wasn't a good idea in her case to be so quiet, especially because this case, in this case in particular, they are trying to sell a story to the jury and get them to feel for your side. Candy's story, especially, is one that's going to need a lot of buying into and her attorney thought that her using the personality that was so likable to everyone in town would make it easier for this jury to side with her and not convict. Mm -hmm. Candy's side of the story was quite an unusual one. In a flat monotone, she said, her version went as follows. I am going to note here that everything that is her side of the story does not make a lot of sense, physics-wise, and I am going to read it to you exactly as she has said. But we can all acknowledge here mm-hmm. that there is a lot of things that, details, that just don't line up and make sense as to how this is how this could have played out. Okay. But we'll just go into it and then I'll tell you my thoughts okay. of what I think And I'll give you happened. my thoughts as well. So Candy went to pick up the bathing suit earlier than the time that had originally been agreed upon because it worked better for Candy. When she got there, Betty was still coffee in hand, had some sewing left on the table, and baby Bethany was down for a mid-morning nap. Candy had said that it was quite sudden, but Betty calmly confronted her, asking her if Candy and Alan were having an affair. Candy was caught by surprise and quickly told her that they weren't. Betty persisted and had said that they had previously, though. Candy confirmed and stated that, however, that was a long time ago. She then went on to say that Betty asked her to wait, and Betty went to the utility room and grabbed the axe, came back out holding it loosely at her side, and said Betty had told her not to see Alan again. Candy said that she would bring Alyssa home after Bible school, given the situation, but Betty said no to keep her for the night because she didn't want to see Candy again, Mm -hmm. and that Betty then laid the axe against the wall of the living room and went to get a bath towel telling Candy to go get the suit from off the washer in Mm -hmm. the utility room. Candy states that Betty had met her in the utility room and gave her the towel and reminded her again to make sure she had mints to give Alyssa as a reward for putting her face underwater when swimming, as Alyssa didn't like it, and that was the method that they were using to encourage her. Okay. Candy said that she had already had some, but Betty went and got mints off the mantle in the living room and handed them to her. Candy said that they were standing there, Betty looked like she would cry. Candy attempted to comfort her and touched her on the arm to apologize to Betty. Betty's demeanor then quickly changed and her face turned to anger and pushed her into the utility room and grabbed the resting axe, brandishing the axe as a weapon and yelling, you can't have him, I'm going to have a baby and you can't have him this time. Candy put her hands on the axe as Betty got closer, pleading for her not to do this and telling Betty uh, that she didn't want Alan. She said that Betty said, I've got to kill you. Okay. Candy says that they wrestled for the axe. Betty jerked it upwards and hit Candy in the forehead with the blunt side of the axe. Mm -hmm. Betty brought up the axe, uh, the axe tall overhead to strike, but when it came down, it bounced off the floor and cut Candy's toe open in her open Mm flip-flops. They wrestled for the axe, and Candy wrapped her hands around the axe, and Betty kicked and kneed at her legs. Candy tried jerking the axe out of Betty's hands, and during this, bit Candy in the knuckle. As Betty went to ben- uh, was bent to do this, she became off balance, and Candy shoved the handle of the axe against Betty's body, pushing her backwards, as Betty turned away, struggling to regain her balance. Mm-hmm. is when Candy brought up the axe and struck it down to the back of Betty's head. Ah. After this first hit, Candy dropped the axe and tried to run for the door, but Betty, covered in blood... With an open head wound, caught up to her as she was pulling open the front door and slammed it shut with her body. Okay. Betty had picked up the axe, and Candy pleaded with Betty to leave her uh, to let her leave. Candy grabbed the axe, and both of them began wrestling for control of the axe in the utility room again, okay. far away from the front door. Okay,
0: so they're at the front door, and then all of a sudden they're back in the utility room. Yes. Okay, and she's been very detailed thus far. Yes. Of like. The events that have happened. Yes. So all of a sudden she's like, "Oh, I went to the front door." Yeah. And then we're wrestling in the utility room.
1: Yeah. Bitch, what happened between then? Exactly. As well as I would like to point out, the you're saying that when you shoved this axe into Betty and she became off balance, that she spinned around to mm-hmm. try to regain balance, and you hit her in the back of the head. Yeah. Rather than she was walking away from you and you hit her in the back. Oh. Of
0: the head.
1: That makes okay. More sense. Okay. <laughs> but we'll continue. Okay. Blood spilling out from Betty's head and onto the ground, creating slippery floors. Mm -hmm. Also, to note this, if you ran for the front door, there was not any blood Mm -hmm. found anywhere outside of the utility room. Candy made an attempt to open the door to the garage in the utility room, but Betty pushed her away and locked the door. Mm -hmm. Betty then grabbed Candy by the hair, and Candy slipped in the blood and fell as Betty attempted to swing the axe at her. She got too weak due to her head wound and couldn't muster the strength to hit Candy with mm-hmm. the axe. Candy then tackled Betty and tried to exit again, but the garage door was locked. Betty got to her feet and, mo- and moved towards Candy, and Candy begged her not to do this and said, I don't want him. Mm-hmm. Betty, with an axe in hand, brought her finger to her lips and shushed Candy. <gasps> this shushing then triggered her unlocked memory of her childhood trauma of Candy's mother shushing her when she was hurt and she flew into a blind rage. Candy okay. then pushed Eddie, er, pushed Betty again and wrenched the, the axe out of Betty's hand and hit her 41 times. As Candy told this story on the stand, she never raised her voice out of a flat monotone, but cried silently as she testified about the shushing. When asked, she stated that she didn't mean to kill Betty. Her attorney then went on to ask her uh, that she had, however, killed Betty with the axe while holding the piece of evidence up in the courtroom. But she at first wouldn't answer, so the attorney continued to repeat the question while coming Mm -hmm. at her more and more aggressively towards the face with the axe until she screamed out when he had the axe got real close to her, uh, and to her face in the witness box, and while crying out loudly, finally did confirm that she did kill Betty with the Mm axe. Prosecutor O'Connell, during a cross, attempted to point out inconsistencies in her story, the lies she told to her friends, Mm -hmm. and even reiterate that this woman, who was claiming to be such a caring mother, had left baby Bethany alone, crying for several hours after her mother, after killing her mother. Even pointing out at the autopsy had shown that 40 of the 41 axe wounds had occurred before Betty's death.
0: Oh my god. Jesus but he did Christ. not press
1: her as hard as the jury needed to for them to not feel sympathy towards Candy. Because just two days after her testimony had ended, the jury acquitted Candy on all charges. Wait,
0: hold on. Excuse the fuck out of me? Yep. This bitch, okay, you literally, can. even if I didn't have a criminal justice degree, yeah. you literally, the, the story that she fucking told made no fucking sense. Yep. And the jury's like, oh, yes. she was skewed.
1: Yeah. Shut so, the fuck up. To confirm, Candy's story was Betty had gone, like, at after Betty confronted Candy about having this affair, mm-hmm. Betty went to the utility room, yeah. grabbed an axe, brandished it at her side, mm-hmm. threateningly, but put it down in the living room to go get a uh, bath towel and asked Candy to go to the utility room Mm -hmm. and get a bathing suit, Mm -hmm. which why would, if you thought that this woman had an ax, was threatening you, why would you go to this utility room to get the bathing suit instead of just hightailing it out the door? Exactly. That doesn't make any sense. Yes. Then on top of it, you're saying that you did willingly go into this utility room to get the bathing suit Mm -hmm. and that she... For the most part, you didn't say that she brought the bath towel and the axe. Mm -hmm. You said she just brought the bath towel. Then reminded you again, bring mints. Went all the way back to the living room to grab mints from the mantle. Mm -hmm. Handed you a thing of mints. Mm -hmm. But again, you do not mention that she brought the axe back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then, apparently decides to bring the axe. Well, she looks like she's going to cry. You try to comfort her. She then comes at you with the axe. Where did the axe... Is she yes. Harry Potter? Yes, where did this axe, Fucking, where did it go? Oh my god. Where did it come from?
0: Do they just have axes in yeah. every room of their house?
1: Yep, yeah, they just have axes just randomly sitting I mean, that's a, and a half, definitely. Yeah, that's
0: I do th- we do that, definitely. Oh yeah, of
1: course, there's axes everywhere in this house. <laughs> but, so, just magically has the axe again. Comes at you again. You guys wrestle. You manage to hit her, or you push mm-hmm. her away. Because she was biting you in the knuckle.
0: Which of all places to bite, why would you choose the knuckle?
1: Yep. As well as you're saying that when you were wrestling, the blunt end hit you in the forehead Mm -hmm. when wrestling. Which would make more sense, what would make more sense though, is if you were swinging the axe high overhead and hit yourself Mm -hmm. in the head with the bottom of the axe as you're bringing it
0: Yeah, because if you're, if you're, if someone's facing you with an axe, like someone's coming at me with the axe, the pointy thing is at me. The -hmm. blunt end is on the backside facing my attacker and it's their hands yes. are on the thing. So it would make no sense. Mm-hmm. If it hit you in the head, you would have more of a cut more than a bruise because the, the sharp yes. end is facing you.
1: Yep. And, but she's saying she was hit with the blunt side. So somehow during this, it was twisted around and Because Isn't it? Literally, what it like would have had
0: to been like. Kurt Cobain with
1: the shotgun here. Yeah. Like, how is this possible that it twisted in his arms yeah. after death? Yes. How did it magically somehow twist so the yeah. blunt side is hitting you in the forehead? You're also saying that when wrestling for the axe, she brought it way overhead, and it just somehow only, it didn't come down and hit you, it just bounced down off the floor, and it cut you in the toe. But also, how,
0: like, how does that, how, like, even a normal size axe, like, the axes yes. are, can be big, but yep. it's not like, mm-hmm. they're not, it's, once you start swinging them, it, yes. if you're going overhead and yes. we've been axe throwing, you put them yes. overhead mm-hmm. and you put them down, it goes yes. straight down. So if she goes straight. right in front of her, mm-hmm. it would have went straight into Candy's head, yes. not to the side. No,
1: instead she says it came straight down to the floor, bounced off the floor, out of Candy's hands and cut her in the toe. Again, it would make more sense is if you were bringing it up overhead, you mm-hmm. were the one brandishing the axe. Yeah. Coming down and hitting this woman who is already on the floor and you slicing your own toe. Exactly. Yes. So the physics of this makes very much she's no a sense. Idiot. As well as, again, there's no blood in anywhere outside of this house yeah. except for the utility room, a small droplet on a newspaper, and the bath mat mm-hmm. that was probably covered in blood from when you showered. Yeah. Which she does not mention that she cleaned up and showered at this house, although yeah. it is very clear she did.
0: Because also, if they live in the suburbs, if she's walking out of the house covered, in blood. covered in blood, they'd be like, yep. oh, what the fuck is mm-hmm. that? So it makes no fucking sense. That yes. it, like, she had to have showered mm-hmm. because people yes. would... It's a fucking suburb in Texas. Yes. They would have called the fucking police oh, yeah. and been like, there's this woman who's covered in blood. You blood had the blood. to have showered. And
1: from all reports, no one noticed that Candy was wearing a different outfit than what she had. So she washed this cl- these clothes. The only thing that was different in her appearance that people noted was that she was no longer wearing flip-flops, but came wearing tennis shoes. Oh, wow. So she not only showered, somehow dried her hair so that no one even knew she showered but also washed the clothing that she was wearing how
0: did she get all the blood out of that clothing that's my curiosity that, i'm
1: very curious about that as well somehow managed to
0: that kind of sounds like a. that kind of sounds like um it brought up the feelings of them uh ian brady and myra, myra Hindley. Mm-hmm. how they would have two sets of clothes yep. they would burn their bloody clothes and still yep. have like another shirt that's interesting it
1: also reminds me of potentially the lizzie borden theories mm-hmm. of this lizzie did it that she had been naked.
0: Oh, yeah. Because there would be
1: no blood on your clothes. Yeah,
0: true. That's right. Because so, there's that much blood. Even if it's a black shirt, it's going to yeah, show.
1: Exactly. And you
0: don't wear black in the Texas heat.
1: No. In the summertime. Yeah. In
0: June. Exactly.
1: But, yep. Yeah. So, although the physics of this makes absolutely no sense, it, what would make more sense is... You find mm-hmm. you decided, yeah. I guess, for some reason, or, like, she did confront you about this affair and maybe punched you, maybe, like, came at you threateningly. You saw an axe, you picked it up, you murdered her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you planned it. I don't know. Yeah. But either way, I do not think this was self-defense. Not at all, This no. makes no sense to no. me, whether it was self-defense or not. However, when it comes to her being convicted, or not being convicted, her being acquitted... What also makes most sense to me mm-hmm. and makes me so very sad is that this was a popularity contest. Oh, 100%. This woman won off of a popularity contest and junk science.
0: Yeah. That's, oh my god. And the bullshit about, oh, I had this repressed childhood memory that my mom yep. shushed me when I was in pain. Bitch, okay. That's not yeah. that bad for childhood trauma. No. Like, excuse me. Like,
1: I, I was listening to another podcast the other day and they were talking about their, like, although I don't like for any person to, like, try to Hair traumas. I yeah. completely agree with playing the "whose trauma is bigger" game yeah. never serves anybody. But there is a difference between what uh, this podcast was describing as big T traumas and little T traumas. Yes, big T traumas are things like going to war. Yeah, being assaulted. Yeah, a parent dying. Yeah, those are big T traumas. Little T traumas yeah. are all of the like daily microaggressions or things that like add yeah. up over time. Yeah, that is a little T trauma that yeah. you're telling me about, and you're trying to tell me that this memory that you don't even remember having but yeah. just came up in this hypnotist session of your mother shushing you is enough motivation that you could have gone crazy and killed this woman
0: jesus and, and there was no like bro- she didn't bring up the fact no. that she had her mom was like abusive or anything prior no. to this i don't think
1: nope just that so her like- mom had shushed her during a time when she was in pain and that you're, and it's ridiculous to me to say that a woman who is being attacked, who had already been, a, you're, if we're going with your story to this point, although mm-hmm. the physics don't match up, yeah. there's so much movement between the front door, yeah. the utility room, all this stuff that makes no fucking sense. Yeah. You're going to tell me that a woman who already has an axe wound in the back of her head is going to bring up an oh, axe and shush you, mm-hmm. that that's going to trigger something for you. You're going to manage to be able to wrestle this axe out of her hands and then you hit her 40 more times? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, and 40 times. Like, if it was, like, maybe once, possibly. Yeah. But 40 fucking times? 41
1: times she hit Betty. 40 of them happened before she died. That
0: is fucking crazy. Yes. That is absolutely and fucking And like I insane.
1: said, at the beginning of this, when setting up what it looked like, her eye was gone. Her head was completely... It looked like it had been blown off. She, everything was covered in blood in this entire yeah. room. It was an absolute bloodbath. Yeah. You're telling me that you just went crazy, and hit her 41 times with an axe because you were shushed.
0: You Hello? Hello?
1: Like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh my- But, yep, that is, she was acquitted on all charges. The jury did still find sympathy with her. She was acquitted on all charges. Candy went on to continue a very regular life, and her and her family moved to Georgia after the trial. Pat and Candy did stay married for a number of years after this, but they did later divorce. Very shortly after the trial, Alan Gore remarried one of his neighbors and friends from church. But between the murder itself and the murder trial, Alan lost custody of both of his daughters, Bethany and Alyssa, and were raised by Betty's parents back in Kansas. Mm -hmm. Candy Montgomery has since changed her name, but as far as anyone knows, she has never been arrested for any other crimes... And continues to leave an ext- lead an extremely normal life.
0: Fuck that bitch. Yep. Like, oh my god, that's so yep. fucked. Like, that's not that's not one of those. You're right. When you introduce it, that's not one of those uh, cases. That's very. It's horrific, but not like traumatizing. Yep. Like, it's just like, are you fucking
1: kidding me? That yep. this woman, that this poor family, have never gotten justice, and their mother's murderer was acquitted because she was sympathetic, popular in this town, and because of junk science of a recovered memory from a hypnotist. So
0: fucking frustrating. That is, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh, I I love it. I love it. I just, yeah. I love, I love our criminal justice system right? so much.
1: Yep. I love it. I would also like to point out here that, of course, like, this was a white woman in Texas oh, who was religious and... The picture of normal money. Probably
0: waspy. Yeah, like, very and if you waspy, look at a picture they were of her, wealthy. yeah, yeah, they were well off. Yeah, uh,
1: she... her husband worked at um, Texas Instruments, so mm. they they had a good paycheck. He was an engineer for them. Mm-hmm. They were very much doing well financially.
0: Mm-hmm. She looks. Oh my God, she looks. She looks weird. She's a fucking. I mean. She looks like she's from the eighties, the curly yeah. permed hair, the big ass rimmed glasses. But like she just looks like ugh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, she just
1: looks like there's something off about you and I don't know what. She
0: looks like a serial killer. Yep. Her hair gives the same vibe that um that Gertie did. Oh my god, you're same right. Same exact fucking hair.
1: Oh you're right. Same exact you know, hair I like, hate like
0: it. I don't know why that hair I hate so much, but I do. Like that curly perm, like, sorry if you have curly perm hair, but like that really Those short. Short curly yeah. permed hair in the like... very
1: like 1980s.
0: Yeah. What?
1: Your grandmother, we don't talk to you. How's that haircut? <gasps> Always did.
0: that bitch. Yeah, like,
1: <laughs> yeah, like, it's insane to me that, mm-hmm. like, literally this woman got away with murder. She had an affair with her friend's husband planned it out, had rules for it. When it ended, he ended it because his marriage was doing well and he wanted to focus on his family and his newborn baby. She said that she didn't know how she was going to live without him. She would tell her friends that it's not that the sex was necessarily that good. It's just that she had grown such an emotional attachment to Alan and was upset that she was going to lose this friendship. But like,
0: one of the rules was like, if they got too emotionally attached, they ended it.
1: Yes. So which like, Betty was very annoyed, and things like when Alan had came to her and wanted to end the affair, she was Candy very was annoyed.
0: Candy was annoyed
1: yeah. because she had wanted to end the she had tried to end the affair months previous because she got had caught feelings for Alan, but Alan had talked her into continuing because okay. he at the time Betty was still pregnant and was very depressed and he couldn't handle it mm-hmm. so he his reasoning as to why he talked Candy back into continuing the affair was that this was the one thing he was doing for himself that he needed this he oh, needed that friendship
0: please oh yes. that ooh i could go on a whole fucking yes. rant like your wife is pregnant with your fucking child Hailed. and it is causing her to become even more depressed than she normally yep. is oh but i'm a man <laughs> and i have feelings mm-hmm. i uh, Not the fuck up, like, be a fucking man, and I hate to say shit like that, like, be a fucking man and take one for the fucking team.
1: Yeah, just deal with it. But what makes me more sad is, like, statistically speaking, the times when affairs most happen is when the wife is pregnant.
0: Which is so, I, it makes me so fucking mad, like, she's pregnant with your child, like, are you fucking kidding me? She's stuck at home,
1: she has depression, she struggles with postpartum depression instead of helping her instead of being there for her. You know she has a fear of being alone and that she can't handle being alone. Instead, you go and have an affair with your wife's friend and another member of your church who you see all the time. I feel
0: like that would hurt more than, I mean, I've been cheated on, but I've yeah. never had like an ongoing affair, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I've also yeah. never been married, but um, like it hurts to be cheated on but i can't imagine it being someone that you knew like in yeah. all my instances of being cheated on it was never someone i knew mm-hmm. so it didn't i i didn't feel that like that betrayal yeah. from a friend i can't imagine my partner much less my fucking husband yeah. cheating on me with one of my friends yes that's so and someone that you see all the time like yep. and from what like you said like they're very They're devout churchgoers.
1: So she went to church and had to face this woman every single week. And her daughter was like best friends with Candy's daughter. So wanted to go there all the time. So you were always going to be involved with this family because of your daughters being friends. Mm -hmm. And instead, this woman murders you after all of this, which I don't like. This is all allegedly, yeah. no one can sue me for this. I'm not saying that this is true. However, I do find it odd that Alan married so quickly after the yes. murder and that Alan tried to protect Candy at times yeah. during the investigation and didn't want to talk to her about it or talk about her to police mm-hmm. and throw any suspicion to Candy, as well as that he didn't, he didn't seem to be outraged. No, no in any of it like his emotions don't seem regular to me or yeah. seem as reasonable as they should be yeah and it's something that like and, and
0: that's hard too though because you can't always like i don't know what i would do if i got yeah. a call saying that my fiance died like i yeah. would be you know i can't say yeah. how i would react yeah because you, you don't know until you're in that situation yes. but like i you're i feel like Listen, like, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law just had a baby, like, literally a week ago today. If my brother-in-law was away on a trip Mm -hmm. and found out that his wife was killed and the baby was just there crying, Mm -hmm. he would be so distraught. Like, that is your family.
1: How do you... Well, that's also what I don't understand of, like, Alan not being pissed and going at Candy like you're a fucking monster. Because not only did you kill my wife, but you left my baby there. Yeah. Just for hours. Nobody taking care of her, crying until her voice went hoarse. That is so bailed, fucking sad. Horrible. How do you sit there and, like, at any time want to protect this woman and think, like, oh, I don't want her to be in trouble? Or, like, how do you not go into that courtroom and be like, this woman's a fucking monster? Yeah. We had an affair. It, I thought it ended peacefully, and she killed my wife. Like, Sorry. She killed, killed my
0: wife. wife. It's like that's jo-
1: my wife. And, like,
0: it's like John Mulaney. And, <laughs> yes. That's
1: my, that's my, my wife. wife. That, like, How? I'm just like mind blown. It's so.
0: I have so. so many, frustrating. I hate it.
1: I this case is so unbelievably irritating.
0: Now I have to go watch Candy. Now I have to go yeah, watch the show. True.
1: It's so. Because I was good. waiting. Because as soon as yeah. you
0: watched the one night, you were saying like, "Oh, I want to do. I want to do this case." So I've been like not watching because I want. I want to get yes. everything from you first. That's so cool. I want to see like. I want. I need to watch it now. I, I highly
1: recommend. I think it's. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. This isn't a spoiler, but I think it's really cool. The police officers that are in the show that are Jessica B- that are played in the show mm-hmm. is Jessica Biel who plays Candy. Mm-hmm. Her husband Justin Timberlake plays one of the detectives, and then uh, Melanie Linsky, who plays Betty Gore. Her husband um, I'm forgetting his name, but it's his last name is Ritter. He plays one of the cops too. Oh, nice. So that's really that's cool. cool. That's a fun yeah. thing to see in there. But yeah. like, oh, Barbara. Barbo is in it, too. (gasps) Holy shit, really? He's one of the other guys in there. So, yes, you have to watch it. You're absolutely going to love it. I 100% recommend, but I totally get what you mean that you weren't going to watch until after I told you this case, which is also why I'm so bummed, but I can't watch that documentary on Warren Jeffs that just came out on Netflix because you want to cover that. Which
0: I think I might, I was going to do Amanda Knox for my next case Mm -hmm. because that was Mm -hmm. one of the... First, that one, and then the uh, J.C. Uh, Duggard, or Dugard, mm-hmm. however you say her last name, um, those were the two true crime cases I vividly remember. Like, I remember being, like, really young and seeing newspapers mm-hmm. about... Because when she, when J.C. got um, rescued, it was mm-hmm. around 2010, I was only 11 years old. Oh. So, like, I remember going to Giant and seeing, mm-hmm. or, like, a giant, like, the grocery store around yeah. this area. Um, I, seeing, like, her her picture on mm-hmm. on People Magazine, my mom wouldn't let me read it, because I was only 11. I was the age that she was when she got kidnapped. So, like, that and Amanda Knox yeah. were, like, two cases that have always stuck with me. Oh, but then God. recently I've become very obsessed with, like, the FDLS church, mm-hmm. at, or the, the former Church yeah. of Latter-day Saints, Warren Jeffs, like, yeah. the show called Escaping Polygamy. Like, it's oh, it's a very interesting, like, yeah. like, um, like uh, sect of um, Mormonism to, to, mm-hmm. to do. So I'm thinking I might move that up on my roster because Fair. I want to watch it so bad. And I have yes. a book about someone who was... Um, I'm not sure if it was one of Warren Jeff's kids or someone but she married her uncle essentially and then she escaped it. Um, She was like really young when it happened because it was and, and the yeah. pictures that you, if you look up Warren mm-hmm. Jeffs, the pictures of him and his child bride, there's Please. pictures of him. I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. I'll say that for the case. Oh. But I think I'm going to move that up because I really want to. I
1: really want to hear all about this. Yeah. And like, definitely like when it comes to like the Jay-Z Dugard case, I vividly remember that too. Because mm-hmm. I remember like, because my family, the whole reason why I became this person mm-hmm. that's obsessed with true crime is because a lot of my family members are and would allow me at young ages mm-hmm. to sit down and consume this content. Yeah. I remember watching that with my grandmother. Mm-hmm that one but watching stuff about jc dugard and john bonnet ramsey and like she was absolutely obsessed with john bonnet ramsey Mm -hmm. i kind of did a little bit as well when i was younger and actually when i was in like probably like eighth grade i think i wrote a term paper about the john bonnet murder case so like i was a little baby like true crime creep from the start so like i absolutely i I don't know. I have mixed feelings about wanting to cover that case. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe... like Yeah, I have a friend who is, like, super, super obsessed with that case, so I kind of want, like, to ask her if she would come on. Yeah, and, like, that'd be awesome. That she's super obsessed with the yeah, case. Yeah, that'd be dope. I I would prefer that than myself covering yeah. it, because me and her have very different opinions on okay. the theories about the Jomene Ransom yeah. case, and I always find, like... Her, because I have a very straightforward uh, theory yeah. or opinion about it. She has some very like wild ones, okay. and I would love for people to be able to hear some of the yeah, wild ones that, that she thinks of. So I would love to do that, but definitely... So far I know like what is coming up next for us is you're either going to decide between those two cases mm-hmm. for your next one, and I know my next case that I have coming up is going to be the Andrea Yates case. Yeah,
0: so so it looks like the next schedule is next week, or when I say next week, I mean like we're going to be uploading, mm-hmm. I blink, right now yeah. we're recording on a Sunday, tomorrow, Monday I'll be uploading my case yes. that you're going to hear, the one that you hear previous to this, mm-hmm. we're uploading that, um, and then we're going to upload this one, and then depending on if my research is ready, I might... Mm-hmm have you do another case right after okay. this one mm-hmm. just because especially if I'm switching to the Warren Jeffs I'm going to need really a little need bit a of, time of time to read a book To yeah. it's going to be that might also be I might have to do multiple parts in that because I want to really give background to how the FLDS church came to be and Mm -hmm. how it morphed now into what it is and the repercussions that it has on its members. I'm
1: so excited to hear that. So I feel like it would be a
0: three-part case, definitely. Oh,
1: yeah, and I'm so down for Mm -hmm. that entirely because I have so much curiosity Mm -hmm. about cults in general, but also, like, I feel like I've met a couple of people that are former Mormons, Mm -hmm. and it is really kind of wild the things that they went through.
0: And that's just, just like, when I say, like, normal Mormonism, that's, Mm -hmm. like, not... FLDS. That's yeah. not Warren Jeffs' sex. Because yeah. there's also multiple polygamous sects. Like mm-hmm. there's the Kingston group. There's the FLDS church. There's different ones in like Nevada and Utah. And whatever. Oh. Um, so like, I'd like to go into like all of that because that's kind of like it's been a hyper fixation of mine the past mm-hmm. couple months, as you know. Yeah. Um. So I'll have to I'm, I'll have to plan it out and and work it out, but we'll let you guys know like when what's coming up who's coming up you know that type Absolutely. of stuff so
1: and then i'm thinking hopefully in like the next month or two i want to throw in just like a spooky cake yeah. or, a spooky thing or just something like ghosty related just mm-hmm. to like give us a little bit of fresh air for all agree. of this like the, the, intense murder yeah
0: i love that get a little creepy out instead of yeah. freak creepy out instead of freak yeah. out yeah yeah love nice. it hashtag called it
1: okay that was fucking <laughs> oh. gross Absolutely. But all right. thank you all for sticking with us through mm-hmm. this. Uh, we appreciate mm-hmm. all of what you do. Please give us a listen, a mm-hmm. like, a share, or follow on Spotify, especially follow because that helps us yep. every day get closer and closer to our goal of being able to put ads on here. Yes. So please, please subscribe on yes. po- on Spotify and rate us. Please, please, please. Yes. We love it. Yes. But also, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram at...
0: Figures in the Dark.
1: Or follow us on Twitter.
0: Uh, figures in the Dark, but dark spelled D-R-K because Twitter's character limit sucks.
1: Yep. Or on Facebook, you can follow us.
0: Uh, Figures in the Dark.
1: Or if you want to, send us an email with any kind of case suggestions, your spooky stories, any kind of suggestions for us. We'd absolutely love it. Uh,
0: at figure, uh, it's going to be figures in the dark podcast at gmail.com.
1: And thank you for listening. And as always, beware the figures in the dark.
0: All right, bye. Bye. Thank you.